Every episode of the Knicks Film School podcast is special, but this one, yeah, this one might be a little extra special. Um, We are here to talk about the game that we just saw against the Charlotte Hornets, a game that the Knicks actually played like uh, quite a bit of dog crap for most of the entirety of the night, Um, but it was a night to remember nonetheless, and here to talk about it, and I swear... We had this this planned before the game even started, um, as fate would have it. Uh, the one and only Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy, how are you, man? I'm fantastic, Jonathan. How are you doing? I um, I don't know that I've stopped floating yet. If I'm being perfectly honest with you, uh, this was, you know, like I I just said it on the on the periscope, and I'll. I'll throw it to you to see if if you have had the same experience because, like, you know, I've been a Knicks fan for I think almost longer than you've been alive, and it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, I'm old. What can I say? And it's like my my life as a Knicks fan has always been about like knowing that the good thing could happen, but waiting for it to happen and then it never happens. Um, and the last year. You know, we've been we've been watching Frank Nilakina and it's like we've been waiting for for the thing, the good thing to happen. And it felt like tonight that it happened. Um, so, yeah. How did how, how did tonight feel for you, man? Phenomenal. It was so it was like witnessing your child learning how to walk. <laughs> So um, I went to the game last night, and it was a it was miserable. I kind of wanted to leave. I wasn't going to, but it was just an awful experience until you had that whole lineup of Frank, Zoe, Dot, Knox, and Robinson. And to be able to watch that for the last 15 minutes was what I was happy to be there for. So seeing Neela Keenan again tonight, I was expecting, you know, maybe he'll be a, a little bit more aggressive. He'll hopefully – at least maintain we scored seven points last night um yeah i think eight, seven or eight something like seven that. Eight, yeah just do something and this blew expectations completely away and even if you look away from the fact that he had one assist everything about his offensive game was exactly what we were hoping for and as as much as i would as crazy as for me to say this now uh fisdale was right Fizdale <laughs> was totally right, and I think that by game two, I was I was getting on board with the whole DNP situation. But uh, I think that the guy who's paid to coach a basketball team and has helped motivate others knows how to do that with Frank. You know, it's God. There's so much that we could go to, but I'll, I'll I don't want this to be about Fizdale because really, we you know we don't know for a fact. Uh, whether or not what he did was the reason for this. I mean, it's certainly possible that this was coming anyway. But, 
like I don't know. I just and this is this is maybe like I was raised to respect authority a certain way. Like I look at this guy, he's lived and died in this league in the NBA for 20 years. He was on like before he got his first head coaching job for two or three straight years. I think it's um it's either Pelton or Arnovitz puts out that like the next hot head coaches list for ESPN. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Fizdale was on it, I felt like, two or three years in a row before he got his first job. Like, I trust that he isn't a complete idiot and is like, oh, yeah, I got this guy that has this immense package of skills that hasn't put it together. I'm just going to go throw him under the bus because, you know, I don't need that in my repertoire. I, you know, that's not a plant that I water water. Like, that never made any sense to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so to me, it, it made sense from the beginning. And I think it was in, maybe not something that he wanted to do from the beginning, but it was the benching was something like he felt like he needed to do. Um, so the interesting thing about Frank is, as, as I was hearing you talking about last last night against the Nets, I was kind of thrown off because in the first half of tonight's game against the Hornets, um, he was like, he was okay, but did he stand out for you in in the first half of the game tonight? Not at all. And considering I was French Heritage Night, and much like how the French have been through history, I was expecting Frank to kind of just surrender. Um, <laughs> oh my God, I can't he didn't. just went there. He didn't. He... he the, did he even score in the first half? I, I can't. No, he, he, yeah, he, he scored 18 points in the second half. That's... He didn't score, and I believe he took only – I want to say he took two or three shots in the in the first half. Um, yeah, it was it was like a nondescript whatever it was, eight minutes, seven, eight minutes. Yeah, it was, it was nirvana. <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it because this is exactly what we were hoping for. And, Jonathan, I, I know you're with me on this where we have been – Ardent Frank fans were saying, you know, it's coming. It's so hard to defend him, but we know it's there. We can see the untapped potential. And this was the exact type of game where it's like, look, guys, this is exactly what we're talking about. You just have to be patient. He's 20 years old. We're not expecting a project who needs at least two to three years to be far and away this incredible offensive talent or even an average offensive talent where he is in his career. And and I, I want to talk about Knox in a second too. But Yes, we need to. But seeing – Seeing them both produce, I mean, 44 combined points for these two kids who can't even legally drink, that is beautiful. Well, 44 points, uh, 39 years between them. So I'll I'll take the more points than years uh, any night. So let's, let's be really precise with Frank, who, by the way, we should say his stat line. It ended up being 7 of 11 from the field, hit all four of his threes, um, did have three turnovers, Although one of them, actually, I'm not even sure if they credited him for this. My oddly enough, my favorite play of the entire game from Frank was—I don't know if you caught this—it was an attempted alley oop to Mitchell Robinson that wasn't—it wasn't meant to be a lob that he would dunk. It was meant to be a lob that he would catch and land and then go up with it. But it—I don't know. I think someone swiped it or something. But it was a no look pass from Frank, mm-hmm. and it was just like. Like we don't like we we don't see that from from Frank anyway. So um, eighteen points he finished with. He was plus two in a game the Knicks lost by by twelve. Um, here's the thing that I I think we need to be precise about. No one 
at least I, I mean, maybe some people, but I, I know I feel this way and I know you feel this way. No one is ever expecting Frank Nilakina to be, you know, like Russell Westbrook or, or even like, you know, a Dennis Smith Jr. or a player of that ilk who's going to like take an offense on his shoulders and like just go. All we ever wanted was someone who, when the defense was like, all right, we're going to give you this, don't pussyfoot around what the defense is giving you. Grab what the defense is giving you by the throat and take it. And that's what I felt like why tonight was different than any other little bursts that he's had throughout his career. Do you? How do you feel about that? Completely. It seems like, especially with the game against the Nets, and he, he seems to do this against the Nets frequently, so that's why I was hoping he'd get that opportunity more so last night. And he sort of did, but these are the games, and this was the same thing with Knox, where you, you really start, start to see the gears churning. You get a sense as to it sinking in, not just – even if the shots weren't falling, it's great that they did, but his aggressiveness, the fact that he is able to attack the rim, that he is being able to be that point guard that that we are insistent he can be as opposed to a, a playmaking wing, if you will. So yeah, I, I would, I'm in complete agreement with you. Yeah, and, and regarding the shots going in, the thing that stood out to me about the shots was like, you know, we've seen Frank make shots before. This is the first time, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, that I could remember him, like, I could see him trying to figure out how to put himself in a position to get the ball in a spot where immediately upon getting it behind the three-point line, he could fire away, as opposed to, all right, I'm open, I should probably take this shot, let me let me take it. Like, it was, and, and I, you know, not to go back to Fizz, but he said after the game, um, what he told Frank was, when you get your chance, I don't want you thinking, I just want you to go out there attacking and playing. Um, and Fizz actually had a great line before that. <laughs> a reporter asked him about Frank tonight, and he said, uh, yeah, Frank just finally said, screw it. And I thought that was just brilliant. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, so... Look, we're not going to see this every game. What do you, what do you expect from Frank going forward? I mean, do we have any idea where we go from here? Ups and downs. Yeah. I think we're going to see way more games where he is not playing up to this level than we are games where he is. Because again, we're they're going to keep coming, but to make this the expectation, I, I think this is just a a great game that we can all appreciate and a terrible, I mean, terrible loss. The defense has been atrocious, so to see something of value in this game that's of entertainment purposes, I'll take it. But, yeah, I don't see that that's necessarily going to be the norm for Frank, and that's perfectly okay. Yeah, and and this is going to sound this is going to sound odd. Do you know what I want to see from him more going forward? I this is going to sound weird. I want to see more turnovers from him, and and here's why I say that. I want him to attempt, like, I, I don't, like Fisdale said, I want him going out there and playing. I don't want him going out there and thinking. I want him trying to make, maybe not like passes that you shouldn't even try, but like, I want him trying to challenge himself to try to make passes to guys. Like, yeah, try to hit Mitchell Robinson for more alley oops. Try to, like, you know, do a cross court pass if it's if the if it's warranted. You know, to a Kevin Knox if he's like open behind the three point line. Like, I want to see just Frank 
experiment more with this kind of what seems to be a newfound comfort just going out there and playing. And mm-hmm. if we if we get that, then you know everything else is is gravy. Um, you mentioned I'd love Knox. to see more free throws, by the way. Oh my god, yes, because uh, that's free point. That's free money for him, essentially. Yeah, and that's the that's the last step, right? Um, yeah. The sh- oh my god, the fucking crime of the fifth foul. <laughs> I'm sorry, the fifth foul, the offensive foul is like that move. You know what? I'm gonna go back on what I said before. That was my favorite move of the game. The one that. That uh, he got called for his his fifth foul, the offensive foul on what was it, Kaminsky? Mm-hmm. Um, because like him like barreling down the lane, like that's you know that's what we all want. Um, all right, we we should probably talk about something other than Frank Kevin Knox. Uh, why don't you talk about Kevin Knox for a little bit? Twenty six fifteen. At first, he wasn't shooting terribly well and efficiently, and I don't think ten of twenty five from the floor is exactly what you want. But he makes. Two more shots, and that's 12 of 25. That's almost 50%. So, again, Knox is really – I was astounded by – especially there was one play where I think he had four rebounds, and he kept missing. Yes, but, yes, yes, but yes. He just kept getting the ball, and it's those long arms back to you, 6'9", 6'10", and he he doesn't give up in those types of plays, and he really needs to learn how to be craftier or just kind of go back to the basics around the rim. But – I I love watching him play because he's like the wacky, wavy, inflatable tube man from Family Guy. <laughs> he's flailing all over the place. And again, like where Frank is is starting to walk, Knox feels like a baby with wobbly legs that is so close to getting there, and just it's just needs a little more time, a little more seasoning, and, and he'll get it. But until then, it's like this this kid just has so much to learn, and he's gonna mess up. And that's cool because I'm enjoying watching him process all this yeah it's you know what Knox and Frank it's so different because like Knox nobody nobody needs to teach Knox how to approach the offensive end of the floor defensive end of the floor different story um but his approach on offense is fine it's just about you know fine-tuning his his mechanics I mean dude shot eight threes tonight um he made right eight threes he made four of them um you know but you look at like this guy's gonna be a scorer for a long time. It's it's clear as day, um, and he's gonna, I think, continue to to figure it out. Like the the uh, fifteen rebounds, like because that's been the knock on him. He's like kind of soft, and mm-hmm. you know, fifteen rebounds ain't soft. I mean, that's I think uh, I'll give Wally or Alan Hahn one of them said it after the game. It was like a, a Bernard King stat line, and and the news came out earlier today that Bernard King had a sit down with Kevin Knox and talked to him for a while. So, you know, you love to see that. Um, I it's funny I could see more of games like this from Knox like more regularly than games like this from Nilakina. Do you agree? Hundred percent, especially yeah. because Frank's specialties lie on the side that is not necessarily counted statistically. Yeah. No. Totally. Um. um also, Tommy Beer tweeted this, and I thought it was outstanding. Uh, 26 points and 15 rebounds for Kevin Knox. He joins Patrick Ewing as just the second Knicks rookie over the last 40-plus years with at least 25 and 15 in a game. Knox joins LeBron James as just the second player in NBA history with at least 25-15 as a teenager. Jesus Christ. And Hard not to get a little excited about that. No, and over 41 minutes. I mean, Tommy Beer, he's great with those stats. Um, no, I... I... <laughs> And uh, I, was it a coincidence that tonight he was going up against um, 
uh, Miles Bridges, who finished one for five for four points, who is allegedly the, I guess the story goes, that his uh, domination of Bridges in their like one-on-one uh, tryout for the Knicks is the is ultimately what like got him drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, also, I do want to shout out Dotson. Uh, Dotson played 31 minutes, uh, six for eight from the field. So, you know, good. Uh, 12 points. The reason I want to shout him out is because more than anyone else, and way more than anyone else even, he like, he like it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing on defense. He looks like he's on speed out there, and it's it like it for me. It jumps off the screen. Do, do you feel the same way about him? Absolutely. I mean, I've said several times that I feel he's the best two way player on the roster, and games like this is why he is just so smart. And I just you can plug him in at a couple different positions, even though he may be better as a two and. I feel so confident with him out there because I, I – especially when he's next to Frank because I feel like before Frank's offense has come about, you can rely on, Dots, on Dotson to at least space the floor. And defensively speaking, they they were fantastic together. So I, I know that Fizdale said that he's going to retinker with the lineup or at least he said that 25 games. We've gone past that point. We're at 28 now. But I mean, if you look at some of the other players that are coming off the bench and then you look at this starting lineup, which – has kind of just lollygagged, you know, take away Tim Hardaway Jr., the four others combined for 15 points. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm looking at the box score right now. That's tough to do. Yeah, and, you know, Vonley had minus 23, which is a team worst, and yet I can't believe he had nine assists. So, yeah, no, I actually feel kind of bad for him. He was, I was like, oh, he might be on his way to his first triple-double, but not to be. Um, so interestingly enough, and I, I wish I could give the reporter uh, credit who asked the question in the Knicks postgame. Um, I, I don't know who it was, but basically someone asked, like, you know, uh, they kind of called out Vonley. Like, when v- you mentioned Vonley was the best two-way player on the team, when he has a game like tonight, how much does that set you back? And Fizz was like, yeah, when he's pl- when he's not his best, it, like, it kills us. Um, and I think that was that was telling. I'm not about to get on Vonley because he's like you, you know overall he's been probably like you say Dotson's been their best two way player. I would I would probably say it's been Vonley, but whatever. Either one of those guys. Yeah. What God? We could have we could have. I feel like we've asked this question on every episode. Uh, what are you doing with the starting lineup moving forward? Do you do you make a change before next game? I mean, Hazonia played five minutes, did not see any action in the second half. Um, where do you go from here? I think you swap out Hazonia for Knox. And that's something that Fizdale did to start the second half, which I thought was a much better idea. You know, Position-wise, I almost want Hazonia to be cut over Baker, which doesn't make sense, Ooh, I know. Boy. Oh, boy. I know boy. it doesn't. No, no, no. It's the no, sort of I, thing no, where no, I do, no, I do he not, just doesn't fit. It's not, it's not good. Um, it's bad. Uh, the, the beer is bad. Uh, I don't, do you remember that movie? It's probably you were like six when it came out. There's this crappy movie about a house party at the end of high school. Um, what the fuck was the name? Oh, can't hardly wait. Have you ever seen this movie or heard of it? Cannot say I have. Okay, you need to go out and rent. Can't hardly wait. It's such a good bad movie, and um, it's <laughs> it's peak Jennifer Love Hewitt, who you know you young whippersnappers only probably know from whatever you know crap show she's on now. But once upon a time, she was like the hottest thing um 
you know, she was like the cat's pajamas. She was really something else. How old are you? Cat's pajamas? No, I'm, um, I'm 79 <laughs> years old. Uh, it. But, well, I'm 12. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was a line in that movie that somebody's shouting, the beer has gone bad because they, they didn't drink beer. Well, um, Mario Hazonia has gone bad. Uh, legitimately bad because he, you know, it, it, it's a broken record. He's making the same mistakes he's made his entire career. Uh, can you cut him? Can you, is that like, can you get away with doing that? You can, but I, I think the main reason Perry won't do it has to deal with the fact that if he cuts his own, yeah, it's, um, it's a bad I look. Mean, it's, it's a very bad look. If you cut Baker, okay, I understand it's the past administration. There's a log jam at the guard area anyway. It, it's fine. But with his own, yeah, it's like, look, I, I tried giving you a second chance. And after 28, 30 games, I'm going to cut you. Not not physically, of course. There's no one <laughs> getting shanked. Um, you have a couple there's... lines every podcast, man. They, just, <laughs> they, they kill me. Anyway, sorry. No, I, I think Azonia is going to stay, but it's the sort of thing where – why? What has he done to earn time there? And you could say the same maybe about Baker. But Baker also hasn't had the opportunity to really showcase what he does. And I know the follow would be like, well, what he does is crap. And I'd be inclined to agree with you for the most part. There's just something about – Hazonia's game that I feel is a detriment to the other players around him, and I don't see that with Baker. Baker is a very selfless player, and Hazonia, he's going to heat check until he finally makes it. It was uh, last night when he hit a few threes, but then he had some absolutely clueless plays, and I just thought, dude, you you don't belong here. Please go elsewhere. Um, I think he should catch the, the train that is going um, on by behind you and, and yes. take it to its last stop and then get off and keep walking. I mean, here's what I'll say about Hazonia. I He's represented by CAA. Um, CAA represents, I don't know how many dozens of NBA players. Like, aside from the fact that it's, you know, it was like the free agent to choose the Knicks – you know, and then you cut him after whatever thirty games would be a bad look. It would also not maybe engender the best goodwill with one of the most powerful agencies in the sport. Um, obviously, those two things that I just said have nothing to do with what goes on on the basketball court. I don't think they cut Baker. I think if anything, it'd probably be, be Cornette. And like, I don't want to cut Cornette. I just, uh, God. I got to tell you though, if you buy out Cantor down the line, and if Vonley gets hurt, you've got Mitchell Robinson, and that's it. Yeah, no, I know. You, you almost need Cornette as a as a last case emergency. No, as an escape valve. Yeah, I don't. Well, look. Luckily, we're not the ones supposed to make this decision. I do agree it'll be Knox for Hazonia, and I, then I think the question is, all right, what happens with the rotation? Um, yeah, but we'll see that. I guess in the coming days, in the coming weeks. Uh, anybody, anybody else we should mention? Anything else we should talk about? I mean, we probably should say that the Knicks played like dog shit for most of the night, right? Yes. Um, it was a no-show job by the starting lineup. So then again, it gets back to like, how do you fix that? Um, and w- actually, you know what? One, one quick thing, cause you mentioned Moutier. I've, I've think, I have thought up until, I guess, um, up until last night against the Nets, that the offense was like really, really humming under Moutier as the starting point guard. And the defense, like, it wasn't good. Obviously, it wasn't good. It was bad. 
but like the effort was there. It's like guys were like doing the things that they were supposed to do and they were like executing as like not well, but I don't know. It like I was like I was comfortable with it. The last two games, it's and it's only two games, but you know, with Fizz, you know, a couple games might you know, might be a lot. It just it fell off a cliff. Um so yeah, I don't I don't know what he does. Um all right, anybody else we need to mention? Courtney Lee, I guess, is the last person I would say. Okay. Again, I don't – I'm actually going to have an article out about this in the next day or two, but I don't really know what his purpose is playing extended minutes. I think he's – To get he's, traded. Duh. Right, but it's the sort of thing where he's healthy. What more do you need to showcase? That he could he could um, act like a functional basketball player, which uh, I hate to say it hasn't really looked like at the last couple of games. Right, but he's only played what four games after being injured. He's gonna it's gonna take some time, and if this is the yeah. other conundrum, if he can't play, then he doesn't get into a rhythm, and if he doesn't get into a rhythm, his trade value goes down. But if he plays, then that affects the younger players' playing time. So he's really kind of a fly in the ointment in that sense because i yeah it'd be great to get rid of him from an asset standpoint but at this point it's just like okay well we know he can be productive he the shot's not going anywhere the defense maybe but if you play him then you're taking time away from the others it's just it's a very interesting situation i i have a feeling he'll only get that 12 to 15 minute range going forward but he's also got a lot of experience and it helps to play with players who are older especially if you're one of the younger guys just where to be on the floor what to do especially with lance thomas out yeah and you know we should mention lee is lee is a respected veteran in the locker room um i forget what i was listening to recently where uh somebody mentioned one of the either a coach or one of the young players or somebody mentioned that lee was like always in their ear and, and talked to them and and helping them um they just got to find a deal for him and and um i up until now have been very hesitant to say that i would include one of the charlotte second rounders um that they got in the willie deal uh who by the way is out of the rotation in uh charlotte just for all those people who were like how could you trade willie hernan gomez for two second round picks well guess what um I've been I've been on the of the thought process that like someone will deal an expiring for him as a neutral asset, um, and I'm I don't I just don't know if I see that anymore. Do you think that there's any chance that that would happen or no? I think it comes down to two things. One, we don't know what Kemba Walker's decision is, and his decision this summer directly affects the status of that draft pick. Because I, I think he's staying, but I would hate to trade that pick That's to get rid call. of Courtney Lee. And then oh, you clear yeah. up cap space. No one comes. Kemba leaves to go another place. And then that pick is like 30 seconds. Oh, 30 then, the, then they're the, they might be the worst team in the league um, by that point. Right. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, this second round pick that the Knicks have this year is thanks to the Rockets and the Kings. With the Rockets being terrible and the Kings being good. You slide it's actually on gonna you. going to be higher. So – um, Knicks could be looking at a top 42, 45 pick there because of all the trades with the Kings and it's magic and rockets. So yeah, you have to look at if you were to do that, what second round pick do you foresee as being lesser in value? Because it'd be really awful to give something up for 
just cap space with no promises. I'd almost rather hang on to Courtney Lee until he's an expiring deal when he'd be easier to trade than have to trade from our own nest egg. Yeah, um, I think I'm with you there. I think for right now, at least, I don't think there's any rush. I think if you have to hang on to him, you hang on to him, um, even if it means he's he's not really in the rotation. Uh, I I think those Charlotte picks are going to be really good, uh, like really really good. That's that's just my gut feeling. Um, all right, well, uh, we've been talking for a while. Uh, it seems like we we haven't even talked about Frank for a solid ten fifteen minutes. So this was uh, this was good. Uh, anything you want to plug or promote before we go? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, got the article I was talking about coming out next couple days, and on Tuesday, Andrew Claudio and I should have a new podcast for Gotham Sports Network. So, um, yeah, if you enjoy listening to my voice, or if you don't, but you enjoy listening to Andrews, listen along. We'll have it out for Tuesday. I think you have a delightful voice, Jeremy. I have to say. Well, I appreciate that, Jonathan. No, really, it's a, it's, As a do nice, you. it's a nice voice. It's you know, it's funny. My two regular post game podcast guests are you and Zach, and uh, I cannot think of two more different voices than than the two of you. So it's it's a nice it's a nice balance. <laughs> you know, the, you're the yin to his yang. Perfect. Uh, all right, so we have talked uh, about the Frank Nilakina game. Hopefully, it is not the last Frank Nilakina game. Uh, of the season and we have many more to discuss jeremy thank you so much for coming on tonight i really appreciate it uh this has been fun i really enjoyed it uh and to you out there uh thank you for joining in for listening for uh sticking with this team and with my boy frank because he is on the come up baby you know it uh, we will talk to you soon and hope uh, the week 